Thanks for joining us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Several years ago, this weekly program was recorded at Michael's home studio in Franklin, Tennessee. We got to meet many of Michael's friends and hear about the work of God in the Nashville community and around the world. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the Bible and the reality of God's faithfulness told in these conversations stand the test of time. This session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more about the CSB translation online when you visit csbible.com. Listen now to this program from the archives. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. Welcome to this week's edition. Uh, Michael, I didn't get my script of the program today. Did you get your script? No, you know, there's this big strike on all the script writers. <laughs> we have no script here, no, do we? which is painfully obvious, I think, to the, to the listeners. This is unrehearsed, unscripted radio, but yes. a great conversation among friends. We're going to have a new friend join us on the phone here today. Our Lois Sutter will join us later. Yes, to talk about her ministry uh, with people who are homeless in uh, Chicago. And I can't wait to talk to her. Also in this first half, in addition to your music here in the studio, Michael, which which, did you know I'm going to ask you to sing in a minute? You always do, Wayne. <laughs> uh, in addition you know. to your music, we're going to ask you to open up the Gospel of John yes. to us. Uh, a brand new series of conversations begins today on the mm-hmm. Gospel of John. Yeah, w- w- John was my favorite book for for most of my life, mm-hmm. and slowly replaced by Luke, I think. But uh, it's going to be fun to work through it together. On and you the radio. wrote the book, The Parable of Joy. Yes, that's just come out again. Mm-hmm. Now RBC has put it out again. Thank, so we'll make that them. book available to our listeners here in the studio yeah. today. So stay tuned for that information. Yeah. But before, and by the way, the second half of the program, we're calling our Winter Concert. Hmm. Uh, you, uh, Jeff Taylor, Paul Eckberg here in the studio, a whole segment of the program devoted to just music. And we're just going to play. Good. That'll, that'll be fun. Look the two great brothers. Speaking of music, let's get started today. The Michael, the song I'm going to ask you to sing is called The Final Word. And joining you here, Jeff Taylor and Paul Eckberg. We'll meet and talk with them later in the program today as they join you now here in song. You and me, we use so very many clumsy words The noise of what we often say is not worth being heard When the Father's wisdom wanted to communicate His love He spoke it in one final perfect word He spoke the incarnation and then so Son. His final word was Jesus, he needed no other one. Spoke flesh and blood so he could bleed and make a way divine. And so was born the baby who would die to make it mine. So the Father's fondest thought took on flesh and bone. He spoke the living, luminous word, and once his will was done. And so the transformation that in man had been unheard took place in God the Father as he spoke that final word. He spoke the incarnation and then so was born the Son. His final word was Jesus, he needed no other one. Spoke flesh and blood so he could bleed and make a way divine. And so was born the baby who would die to make it mine. Came alive and man became man. Eternity stepped into time so we could understand. He spoke the incarnation and then so was born the Son. 
Just a taste of the music to come here in the studio with Michael Card today. Michael joined there by Jeff Taylor and Paul Eckberg, and they'll be back to spend the whole second half of the program mm-hmm. here in the studio with us today. Michael, let's talk about the Gospel of John. In the beginning mm. was the Word. Of all the Gospels of the four that we have, John is uh, unique. 92% of the Gospel of John, 92% mm. is not found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Mm. I think that's why p- people tend to love the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. Wayne. You know, people, you know, what, every new believer, what do yeah, we always say? Where we send them, Start with John, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I think uh, you, in essence, whenever you read the Gospel of John, you're, you're, you're putting your, yourself at the feet of the last living disciple of Jesus. I mean, John is 90 years old or, or older when he writes this book. He's living in Ephesus uh, where he will eventually die with Mary, mm-hmm. the mother of Jesus, mm-hmm. who he has taken into his home. But John has been preaching these messages, these bits and pieces of the life of Jesus for 30, 40 years so um, they come together beautifully in the Gospel of John. Those are just some of the reasons, I think, why we, we tend to love the Gospel of John. It all comes together in themes. Uh, but the other thing that's so wonderful about John, I, I mentioned the fact that it's 92% of it is unique, but he, he leaves things out. <laughs> you know, you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you got basically the same outline, right? Yeah, yeah. They're called, in fact, they're called the synoptics which means with Mm -hmm. one eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've all got the same outline. Jesus basically moves through those three Gospels in the same same outline. You come to the Gospel of John, and it's it's just striking how different it is. (laughs) Well, what do you leave out, for instance? Well, for example, and we're just about to look at it, you know, you read Matthew and Luke, and you've got shepherds, and you've got wise men, you've got a birth narrative. John leaves that out. Mm -hmm. Instead, he gives us the incarnation. And you can see the way his mind works by what he leaves out. Uh, Luke gives us the first miraculous catch of fish in Luke 5. John leaves that out. John gives us the second miraculous catch of fish. People don't realize it happened twice, (laughs) but it happened in John 21 after Mm -hmm. the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, In in all the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one of the last public things Jesus does is go into the temple and tear the temple up and cast the traitors out. You look at that place in the narrative in John, it's not there. Where's where's the cleansing of the temple in John? It's in the It's in the beginning. Of the book. It's the first temple cleansing. A lot of people don't realize Jesus did that twice. Jesus tore up the temple yeah. twice. It's perhaps the first public thing he did and the last public thing he did. So, what's up with John here? John is purposely uh, deleting parts of the story that he knows we've read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and he's filling in the story uh, with other things. So okay. you need to know that Jesus did this twice. So he was see. familiar with the other Gospels. Oh, had, had to have been. See, the, 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 the synoptics are all based on the Gospel of Mark, which was really the preaching of Peter. Okay, So John knows Peter. He, has, he was actually a, a companion <laughs> on missionary journeys with Peter. So no, he, he knows that outline. He knows that structure. And then all these years later, the, you know, again, the wonderful thing is he's, he's had all these years to think about these things. And um, I, I'll tell you one of the most striking omissions, uh, parables. You know, Matthew will say, Jesus never taught anything except he'd use a parable to teach it. There's not a single parable in John. How, what was your initial reaction to that one? This, you, I mean... Well, it, did you feel like you were missing something? No, or? no, no. It was a, it was it was always like a detective mystery, you know, because that happens. You go, okay, what's he thinking? Because I know, you know, I'm beginning to know this guy, and I imagine this this elderly, very wise, very sweet, simple guy, deliberately leaving those things out. But he always substitutes something. He always puts something in the gap that he leaves out. And instead of having parables in the Gospel of John, what you have is the life of Jesus 
as a parable. Yes, yeah. Jesus will say, and this is only in John, Jesus will say, I'm the light of the world. Then he'll open the eyes of a man born blind. Mm. His life mm-hmm. sort of illustrates parabolically. So he connects the dots for yeah. us. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And then what does he do? Feeds 5,000 <laughs> yep, people. Feeding. See, so the, John is so well thought out and so masterfully put together. And, uh, and I think more at least from my experience, more than any of the other Gospels, I can hear, I can hear his voice really? as, as he tells these stories, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me more about what you hear. Well, once again, realize that we're listening to the last living disciple of Jesus. Paul is dead. Peter's dead. They're, they're all gone. He's the last one left alive. And imagine what kind of reverence people would come to this person, you know, there in Ephesus. Sure. Tell, tell us about Jesus, see? Mm. And we're told that, that John was encouraged to write these things down before he, he died mm-hmm. because he was getting to be so old. Eusebius tells us that. And so he, he writes the Gospel of John for mm. us. And, and so it's an old man, but I would think still a pretty fiery old man that writes these. I know we're right at the beginning of our look at the book yeah. of John. We're going to continue this for several more weeks to come. But uh, the very last verse says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books right. that could be written or would be written. Right. And that, that's actually a conclusion that was written by John's disciples. The, the 21st chapter of John, the last chapter of John. Okay. So I am getting ahead of you, aren't I? <laughs> well, well it, it was added by his disciples because it, it opens with an explanation of why uh, this story has been told that uh, there was this rumor that John wouldn't die until Jesus returned, this sort of business. The the real gospel, or at least, I mean, that's the real gospel, too, because they're, they're uh, authoritative stories. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, right. I'm not taking anything away from chapter 21. It's, no. it's John's teachings. It's but all it was, inspired. But it was, yes, but it, it was written by his disciples. But the first ending of the gospel of John is the end of chapter 20, which is the most frustrating verse in the Bible. Okay, we're going to have to wait several weeks until we get oh, there wow. for you to explain that one to us, but we'll, we'll just leave that one lie right there. Wow. Good for, yeah, okay. you, you're, you have a lot of control because I was going to jump right into it. Well, uh, before we look at these first five verses of chapter one, I, I want to say too that in your book, The Parable of Joy, you actually translate John. Yeah, I did. Um, and, and the only reason, I'm not making any claim to being any sort of a linguist, but I was able to do that just because I'm so familiar with the text Anyway, having this was really my book from the time I was about eighteen till the you know into my forties. So, uh, so when I'm you, fairly familiar with it. When we read the parable of joy, we get that translation as a yeah. part of the book. Okay, yes, you do. And I'll yeah. tell listeners more about that in just yeah. a moment. All right, these first five verses. Yeah. it's not just a birth narrative, is it? No, it's it's the incarnation. John John knows we know about the shepherds and the star and the wise men, and so he goes all the way back uh, to the beginning. I mean, that's what we have as an opening verse. And even that, that first verse, which is, makes up two verses in our English translation, it's, it's just this wonderful, well-thought-out uh, opening. You can imagine that John has preached this, okay? Uh, so, so let's just look at this first. It's verse, verses one and two, but it's really one, one verse, okay? okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, what do you notice? The first thing you notice about that verse is that it opens and closes with the same phrase, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning is the Hebrew title of the book of Genesis. Oh. Genesis is the title of Genesis in Hebrew is Bereshith, which means in the beginning. So it's, is this like a new beginning then? No, no. It's it's John letting us know that that he has a he has a thorough. Uh, uh, Old Testament uh, okay. background. So this is just a continuation of the same truth, right? The, yeah, we're yeah same same truth as in Genesis. There's a continuity between the first book of the Bible uh, up to this book, and he wants us to know that I'm coming at this from an Old Testament point of view. Now, what a lot of people will say is, oh, when John says word. <laughs> which is the word logos, yeah. he really means some Greek philosophical term. And I would completely disagree with that. Uh, I, I, think, I have heard that said many times. Oh, it, that's, the st- that's as Bill Lane would say, that's the 90% you know, <laughs> position. But what I'd like to say is that when John uses the word word, which is the word logos in, in Greek, he really means, he's really thinking in Old Testament terms. That's why I think this in the beginning business is so important. Because the word for Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew word for word is daber, uh, and what you need to know is that word, it 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 means what you say and also what you do. 
So uh, uh, words in Hebrew accomplish things. You know, what God says happens. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, what we have to realize is Jesus is not this simply uh, bearer of words from God. When Jesus speaks, things happen. See, God spoke the world into existence, right? In our translations, of course, the word the word word is capitalized. Right. And they're, they're trying to say that this, that's a reference to, to Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. But what you need to know is the Greek manuscripts don't have capital letters. So okay. that's, that's, a tran- that's a translator trying to help us okay. you know, make sense of this. All right. Yeah. So, so that's the, the, in that very first verse, though, John is laying the groundwork to say, listen, I'm, I'm a man who looks at the world from an Old Testament point of view. And when, when I look at Jesus... I see this person who has perfectly fulfilled every promise of the Old Testament. Hmm. Is there a connection to Hellenistic philosophy and all the rest? May or, there may or may not be. I, I don't want to. I don't want to join that argument. But what I, I do want to make clear is, John is a Jewish man, and he thinks in terms of the Old Testament. Well, he continues right on in verse our verse three. All things were made through him, and yes. without him was not anything made that was made. Right. Very Old Testament idea that that was the Word of God. God spoke the world into existence. See, debar, what you say happens. Words have an impact. God speaks creation, and what happens? Creation happens. The, the word becomes enfleshed in Jesus, who is the word of God, and what happens? You know, God is with us. So Jesus is not just a person who gives us words. You know, he's not just here to give us answers. He's here to give us himself. Mm. And I think that's what's behind John's thinking in all this. Because I think he looks back and re- realizes, you know, there was more uh, than like the, the passage I said, that most, most frustrating book in the Bible. John will say later on, you know, there are a lot of other things he said. Mm. But the point isn't so much what he said it's that the word was here with us. Yeah. The incarnation, incarnation happened. Yeah. Just quickly, verses four and five then of our introduction to John. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Yeah. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yeah. And 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 what I like to think is uh, when when this old man looks back on the life of Jesus, mm. he thinks what what two words really describe what was it like to be with this person, and the two words are light. And life. You really Those, have to put yourself in John's shoes yeah, like that, don't you? Re- you? Yeah. you really do. And, and if you learn to listen to the text at the level of the imagination, you'll see that. And then the final thing is this idea that, uh, but the darkness has not understood it. And that simple phrase, that prepares us for the whole rest of the Gospel of John because Jesus is the misunderstood Messiah through the whole rest of this book. I'm so looking forward to our continuation of this study of the book of John. We just began it today yeah. here in the studio with Michael Card. We'll pick this up again next week. Great. values here in the studio is the value of community. Yes. We try to model that uh, not only between ourselves, but the guests who come in. And, you know, we are based in Franklin, Tennessee, but we realize that community takes place where you live. I think on the very first program, uh, Scott Rowley was here and he said, you know, open the door of your life to one person who lives at the level of poverty. And I think we took that Mm. as a sort of a mandate and we've tried to run with that ever since. Yeah. We've talked several times about uh, the needs of those who are less fortunate, so to speak, than than, uh, many of us who live and and work. And we've got Arloa Sutter on the line with us. Arloa is the executive director, I don't know if that's the exact title, Arloa, of Breakthrough, (laughs) Breakthrough Urban Ministries in Chicago. Uh, a ministry that I admire very much, Michael. You're just learning about this for the no, first time. No, I'm, I'm going to be really interested in finding out what you guys are doing up there. All right. Arloa, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Describe Breakthrough to us. Breakthrough started about 15 years ago in a church in Chicago where street people were coming to the church wanting handouts, and we felt like it probably was um, a better use of our time and money to really get to know people personally and find out what their needs were. So we opened a little uh, storefront room and put on a pot of coffee and started serving lunch. And the numbers of people coming in just continued to grow as we built relationships and got to know people and began to uh, raise some funds to try to meet their needs. Um, Shortly after that, we opened up the church gymnasium. It was the first evangelical free church in Chicago. Um, and began to house men, 30 men, every night on the gym floor, 
Um, so that started our, our overnight shelter care. Um, and then in 2000, we opened a center for women in another part of the city on the west side of Chicago and uh, began to work with youth and their families in that neighborhood. That's mm. a, a community that has a lot of social needs. So we were able to uh, attract kids through sports leagues, and now we have about 60 kids involved in after-school programs. And then, of course, every aspect of our ministry, which now includes work with homeless men, women. It's an amazing uh, everything story. Everything has, uh, you know, the spiritual component and yeah. devotions and Bible studies. Yeah, it's a great story of compassion and care. But there's a, a backstory to the backstory. And as, as Michael, <laughs> as you meet Arloa here today, I want her to talk about the backstory of her life and how God led her from, a, from a, an upbringing that was far from the urban setting. Right, Arloa? Yeah, I'm from a farm. Um, grew up on a farm, an operating farm in northwest Iowa, where I milked the cows every day and, uh, you know, helped out with the chores. Went to a very small school. There were 43 in my graduating class in hmm. George, Iowa. So uh, came to the city to go to Moody, which then exposed me to um, the needs that I saw daily. And you never left? out of my window. And I've been in Chicago pretty much ever since then. Wow. Well, right in the tradition of D.L. Moody all the way down to today, it's interesting <laughs> to see those seeds still uh, still producing fruit, huh? That's right. Wow. He said something about if we if we don't reach the cities, they become a cesspool that infects the whole world. Wow. Wow. Well, Arlo, we do want to learn more about breakthrough, but we also want to apply it to where we are. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, people who are listening to this are listening from all over the country, but chances are there's something similar to breakthrough where they live. Uh, what's your encouragement to all of us? Well, I think that together we can do a whole lot more than we can one-on-one. And I think there's a, um, a real ministry in just building relationships with those street people that we see out there individually. But I think if you join a mission or a movement that is really working to uh, eradicate some of the root causes of this kind of poverty, um, I think there's real strength in that. I think that's the call of God for us is to really get involved with um, a group of people who are joining to uh, to to help out and to really represent Christ. i got to admit, Michael, my first reaction is to kind of dodge a person on the street that uh, looks like maybe that's their home, well, and I, you go to the other side of the street to avoid them instead of engaging with them. Well, I, that's, I, th- I think that's where uh, ministries like Arloa's or the Rescue Mission here in Nashville, that sometimes people like that, like us, need a bridge. I need to I need to be, be sort of ushered into the community of the homeless or whatever, and... Uh, um, some people have the, the relational chops that they can just just <laughs> go down. Well, I, I know I, I needed help, uh, and so uh, years ago with Scott Rowley, we started working at the the kitchen at the rescue mission, and that that for me was when I uh, like Arlo was saying, you you establish relationships, and you uh, that's 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 when it really begins to shift. You you realize like a lot of missionaries realize that you're receiving more than you're getting, yeah, and then you just want to you want to be a part of what's going on. And, you know, the homeless can be this kind of um, non-entity, uh, the homeless. And when you get to know Betty and Susan and, yeah. and Joe, you know, it really makes a difference when you really attach people to those uh, to that label. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I was, Arlo, I was surprised because I had all the, the uh, stereotypes in my mind as well. I mean, there were, there were people with master's degrees, people who had uh, oh, yeah. fascinating stories, uh, about how they had ended up, uh, a, a lot, especially a lot of the men by choice, being on the streets, and and um, I don't know, I, I'll never be the same. It was definitely, <laughs> definitely life changing. A lot of artists, Michael, musicians, mm-hmm. you know, they have a hard time sometimes making it economically in our systems, uh-huh. but they're incredibly creative. Um, and so they take to the streets because they just don't want to um, have to give up that side of their. Their giftedness. Yeah, I, I don't know how many guys have pulled poems out of their pockets. Right, right. Arlo, as important as it is to provide some shelter and some food and some training, uh, you mentioned the spiritual component. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I was just reading today in Hebrews 13. It said that, you know, that we should always uh, entertain strangers or show hospitality to strangers because you never know when you're going to entertain an angel. And I think there's, uh, you know, in Isaiah 58, it talks about. Um, worship, really, and people really wanting to get close to God and yet not experiencing answers to their prayers until they began to um, to extend compassion and show 
uh, hospitality to the stranger and the wanderer and uh, food to the hungry. You know, I think something happens spiritually when we engage with people who are struggling. And, you know, so we, we have Bible study times, but it's very interactive, and we learn from one another. Our guests teach each other and teach us about what it means to follow Christ. In well, the, wait a minute. They teach you? Oh, my goodness. It's amazing what wealth of understanding, what wisdom people have who um, are living it day to day just to survive. Uh, you know, and that was a misconception I had going into this war because I, I kind of thought everybody was lost and I was the missionary coming with the gospel and I found out I was the one that needed the gospel preached to me through the lives of people who knew Jesus better than I did. Well, is is that sort of like, uh, I mean, what Jesus said, when you when you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me. I mean, have you encountered... Do you not encounter Jesus? I mean, Mother Teresa oh, talked about goodness. Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor. Have you had that experience? Oh, as well? my goodness. You know, one of my favorite um, stories, it was just kind of an aha moment for me, was that a guy came in and his feet were cracked and, and, and uh, he was in a lot of pain in his feet. And, and so just as a matter of the next thing to do, I took off his shoes and his socks and I got some warm soapy water and oh. put his feet in. And, and I was holding his feet in my hand, rubbing lotion in, and suddenly it was like I had an epiphany. Oh, wow. my goodness. Wow. I'm loving Christ. And uh, it was just a thrill. Um, and, you know, we don't always have those, those epiphany moments, but they come often because what we're doing, I think, is so, hard, so close to the heart of God. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I'm kind of stunned by that story. Yeah, I'm processing. Um, Sorry. You've given us something to think about here, Arloa. And, I mean, we're coming down to the end of our time uh, this moment here in the studio. We'll have you back uh, on the program soon, but just give us that little nudge that maybe we need to, to be uh, the hands and feet of Christ. Well, I think it's an invitation. It's an invitation to participate with the body of Christ, being the arms and legs and heart um, of Christ on the earth. And it's an invitation to experience that oneness with Christ in uh, in compassion. My challenge is to um, take the first step. That's that's the biggest, uh, the scariest, right? Mm-hmm. Take the first step and mm-hmm. engage uh, in some mission or some outreach. You know, it might not be as difficult as you think it's going to be. Exactly. Well, it never You'll is. Be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Until you get into it, and then you realize, this yeah. is the hardest thing I've ever known. We'll talk about that later. It's hard and great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Arloa, thank you. God bless you for what thank you're doing you. and for your encouragement to the rest of us to do something thank about it as well. Arloa Sutters with Breakthrough Urban Ministries in Chicago. Thanks, Arloa. We'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks. And we will have much more coming up after a break here in the studio with Michael Card. Before that, though, I want to encourage you to get in touch with us. Your comments and Bible questions and song requests are always welcome when you email us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And also remember, there's much more you can discover about the program, including a link to Breakthrough Urban Ministries at michaelcard.com. And could you help get the word out about this program by posting a review? Your opinion is a great way to get the word out about this gathering of like minds by sharing the link for this podcast. These conversations are just a start, and we want to invite you to go deeper. Check out more of Michael's insights through his books, music, and Bible conferences. Explore all that is waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation after this message in the studio with Michael Card. Michael, this month we're featuring the Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. I'm so glad that we get to feature this important Bible edition for my good friend, Dr. George Guthrie. George has been with us many times, and we've appreciated his scholarship and ability to make the Bible understandable. That's why we want to point you to the Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. This study tool combines a daily reading plan with a unique way of tracing the flow of God's action through history. We're always encouraging people to consistently read the Bible, and this resource can be your guide through God's Word this year. Start by visiting csbible.com and search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. When you order, receive your 30% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount with LifeWay. Search for the Day-by-Day Chronological Bible now at csbible.com. We are back in the studio with Michael Card. It's time for our winter concert. We begin with Jubilee. 
it for a time For the slaves to be set free For the debts to all be cancelled So his chosen ones could see His deep desire was for forgiveness He longed to see their liberty And his yearning was embodied In the year of Jubilee 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 Jesus is the Jubilee Debt's forgiven Slaves set free Jesus is our The Lord's appointed time, his deep desire became a man, the heart of all true jubilation, and with joy we understand. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of jubilee. Jubilee, jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free, Jesus is our Jubilee. To be so completely guilty and given over to despair, to look into your judge's face and see a Savior there. here in the studio with Michael Card and a couple of friends who have stopped by as well, Michael. Absolutely. Uh, Paul Eckberg, how many years were we on the road together? Many years. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. He's not counting. It was before you had a beard. It was. You inspired me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Inspired you to stop taking care of yourself and just let yourself go? (laughs) Yeah, Not not quite. (laughs) He he knew he had to fit in here with a beard today. I mean, look at Jeff Taylor over here, too. Yeah, just look at him. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mike. How you doing, bud? Oh, it's great to be here. The hardest working man in the music business in Nashville. I believe it. Every time you turn around, there's Jeff. Yep. That could end any day now. Okay, we should mention that uh, Paul's on uh, percussion over here. He's got a truckload of gear. Uh, He is surrounded here, so we already heard a little bit of that today. And we're going to hear more in this half hour of the program. Jeff, what did you bring to the musical table today? Uh, I brought my toys, uh, accordion, some penny whistles, a mandolin. We're going to hear it all, And, and right? your grand piano. And, and the grand piano. <laughs> Borrowed that from Mike. Freshly from tuned. All right, well, let's keep going. Uh, this music is great. So uh, how about Poem of Your Life, Michael? You guys willing? Okay. This is sort of an Irishy one with uh, mandola and accordion. Accordion and, and penny whistle. all kinds of percussion and penny whistle. One, two, three, one. a song we must sing with our days, a poem with meaning more than words can say, a painting with colors no rainbow can tell, a lyric that rhymes either heaven or hell. We are living letters that doubt desecrates, we're the notes of the song of the chorus of faith and God shapes every second of our little lives and minds every minute as the universe waits by the pain and the longing the joy and the moments of light are the rhythm and rhyme the free verse of the poem of life Look 
pray for the grace to tear off the mask, see the art of your face, and open your earlids to hear the sweet song of each moment that passes, and pray to prolong your time in the ball of the dance of your days, your canvas of colors, of moments ablaze, with all that is holy, with the joy and the strife, with the rhythm and rhyme of the poem of your life, with the the matter rhyme of the poem of your life The pain and the longing The joy and the moments of life Are the rhythm and rhyme The free verse of the poem of life Part of our winter concert here in the studio with Michael Card and Paul Eckberg and Jeff Taylor. Guys, thanks for being here. We're going to hear more music in just a moment. But earlier in the program today, Michael, when Arloa was on the line with us, she mentioned that foot wash, remember? Yeah, a homeless man had come into uh, the shelter where uh, she works, and his feet were cracked mm-hmm. and uh, in bad shape. And she took off his shoes, washed his feet, and was rubbing lotion on them, and, and all of a sudden had this realization that this is Jesus in his... Uh, distressing disguise, yeah, as it were. That? Yeah, it was a great moment. It was, and, and that made me think of your book, Parable of Joy, which we've mentioned today. We began our study of John today in the program and, and made your book, The Parable of Joy, available to our listeners. And I'll give that phone number and web address again if you'd like a copy of Mike's book for a gift of any size, 1-800-613-5162 or studiooffer.org on the web. But I bring that up because, as we said earlier, you translated the book of John in the parable of joy. And can I just read it uh, from John 13? This is your translation, Michael. And then we'll ask the three of you to do the song, the basin and the towel. This is John 13, verse 1. Before the Passover feast, Jesus knew his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. To the ones he loved in this world, he now showed the full extent of his love. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, that he would betray him, Knowing that the Father had placed all things into his hands and that he came from God and was returning to God, he got up from supper and took off his outer robe. Taking a linen towel, he wrapped it around himself. Then he put water in a wash basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, wiping them dry with the towel he had wrapped around himself. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you really going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You cannot understand what I am doing now, but... After these things you will understand. Peter said, Never, ever will I allow you to wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. The one who is already bathed is clean, Jesus said. He only needs to wash his feet. You are clean, but not all of you. He knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet and put on his robe, he reclined once more and said to them, Do you have any idea what I have just done for you? You call me teacher and the Lord. Well said, for I am. So if I wash your feet, I who am your Lord and teacher, you should also wash each other's feet. I just gave you an example. What I just did, you also should do. Amen. Amen, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his Lord nor the one sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In an upstairs room, a parable is just about to come alive and while they bicker about who's best with a painful glance he'll silently rise their savior servant must show them how by the will of the water and the tenderness 
town And the call is to community The impoverished power that sets the soul free In humility to take the vow The day after day we must take up the basin and the town song made even more meaningful thinking of our Loa's experience, Michael. Yeah, we want to dedicate that song to her today. I hope that encourages you. Yeah, thank you so much to you and to Jeff and to Paul. Hey, we got a couple of minutes here to talk to our friends who have stopped by for this winter concert. Jeff, you've been here many times. Yes, I have. Welcome back. Thank you. I love being out here. It's always good and got to play my favorite Michael Card song just then, and you're talking about one of my favorite books of his, mm. Parable of Joy. I love that book. Well, I'm swimming in affirmation here. This is great. <laughs> Paul, take him down a notch, you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're all right, Mike. You're all right. <laughs> Paul, what's up in your life? Man, uh, I've been spending some time out on the road uh and it hasn't been with Mike, so it hasn't been as great. No. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Thanks for sure. saying that. <laughs> wow. Uh, I've been able to, uh, uh, well, I've had the privilege of uh, traveling with uh, Derek Webb and his wife, Sandra McCracken. Mm-hmm. And we've been uh, touring around the country, and um, they have a new baby. And so that kind of adds mm-hmm. a new element to travel mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, you have a pack and play in the back lounge of a bus. Yeah. And, uh, we did that with Sarah Groves. Yeah, that's she right. Had to- yeah. It reminds me of... <laughs> oh, ow. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, seriously, thanks for being here. we got a couple of more songs. Time for a couple more here in the studio. I'd love to hear you sing Pilgrims to the City of God. Michael, you were in agreement on that one? Uh, we'd be glad to play that song for you. Uh, this this actually has some of my favorite uh, interaction uh, between everybody. There's a, there's a part where we... Yeah, an instrumental part where the piano and the guitar doubled. It's, I really love doing it. And it's a... It's a it's kind of a groove song, so I mean, it's as as much a groove song as I'm capable of doing, and uh, and so it's just a good song for Paul as well. Right. So it's a good song to good. play together. Let's listen now. Pilgrims to the City of God. One, two, three. One, two. Follow the one who holds out a cross and a crown. We travel a dark road that has but one light, for we have here no lasting town. 
And sometimes we run by the power of his might On our own at the best we can plod What we hopefully look for is just beyond sight We are pilgrims to the city of God The stigma of strangers lost in a strange land In a fallen world that's not our home But we are not just homeless prodigals here Because we have some place to go And sometimes we run by the power of his might On our own at the best we can plot What we hopefully look for is just beyond sight We are pilgrims to the city of God Pilgrims to the city Behold, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the great king. The thousands and thousands of angels who come, assemble to joyfully sing. And they sing. might on our own at the best we can plot what we hopefully look for is just beyond sight we are pilgrims to the city of god pilgrims to the city of god Live right here in the studio, Michael Card, Paul Eckberg on percussion, and Jeff Taylor over there playing everything on, on the everything other side else. of the studio. <laughs> everything else, right? Pilgrims to the City of God. Hey, again, thanks to uh, you, Michael, as our host, but also to these uh, two guys for coming yeah. in here today. Thanks for giving us a whole day. Basically, it's what this ends up costing you guys. It's so a good way to spend you. a day, trust right. me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, how about one more? I'm looking at the clock here. We got time for Healer of My Soul, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever heard you sing this song, Michael. Well, I didn't write this song. This is a John Michael Talbot song. Okay. But um, my story uh, for this song, uh, we this was years ago. This was 25 years ago. Uh, we, we were at sort of an artist retreat. This was back when I was with Sparrow Records. And um, I, knew, I knew John, but not well. And we had a breakfast together as a part of this retreat. And he pulled his guitar out, and we had a, uh, someone read a, a Bible verse, and someone prayed, and John started playing this song. And I had grown up, obviously, in the church. I'd been a Christian since I was, you know, six years old and, and all the rest. But it was really through this song that I felt I made the first connection in the context of worship, in the, t- in the sense that everyone else use the, uses the word worship now, which is... <laughs> Uh, which is not really all the always the way I use the word worship, but in that sense, it was the first time I ever really worshipped, and uh, I will never forget that that moment, that morning, and and all of a sudden hearing this song and making that connection emotionally, m- musically that I'd never made before. Now, Jeff, have you played this song before with Michael? I think once it was one of the first songs we played together, Christ Community. We did about five or six songs, uh-huh. and we haven't done it since then. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll be a little rusty. but Okay, we're going to switch things around here just a little bit. You're going to move to the piano yes. for this song. And, Jeff, you're going to come to this chair. And yes. what, what will you be playing here? Uh, concertina, Anglo concertina, and a penny whistle. Oh, all right. Yeah. And Paul, you stay right where you are, Paul. Paul will be <laughs> making some accents. <laughs> I will be adding icing on the cake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been wonderful. This is our winter concert in the studio with Michael Card. We'll conclude with this, and believe me, it'll be worth sticking around for the next couple of minutes. It's called Healer of My Soul. Healer 
fitting song to conclude this session in the studio with Michael Card. If this time has been valuable for you, please take a moment and post your review. Pass along the link for this podcast to a friend or have them search for Michael Card on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And we hope you'll take a moment and email your reactions to this hour. You can send your comments, song requests, or questions to us when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. We look forward to reading your email. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. This month, we're highlighting a helpful Bible resource compiled by our friend, Dr. George Guthrie, called the Day-by-Day Chronological Study Bible. Look for the link for this at michaelcard.com or order your copy by searching for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible when you visit csbible.com. Be sure to use the promotion code in the studio typed with no spaces to receive your 30% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. We hope you'll join us for next week's current podcast release. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.